boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, giddies, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our 11th tome of Season 2 with Judy, You're Not Yourself Today, an episode all about the joys of owning firearms and expressing your God-given, goddamn constitutional rights. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-host. I was going to alternate, but uh, Devilish Dan, you're going to have to wait because people are already hearing the mischievous cackle of one Mr. Petrified Preston. Uh, oh, that's what I'm here for, that mischievous cackle. Uh, Hunter, <laughs> good to be... You do have a nice mischievous cackle. Oh my god. It's good to be back once again. Oh my god. Um, yeah, let's talk about like you know, locking your wife in a closet and guns and, and all kinds of stuff in this episode, man. This is uh, this is definitely an interesting one. And, uh, you know, shout out to the uh, Christmas classic Scrooge. Uh, here we are yet again. Yet again, double back to back Scrooge. So Horace from the Vault listeners, you know, this is our third week of mentioning Scrooge and it is only the middle of January now. So <laughs> we're going to continue to get those out for you. But yeah, keep it going. Scro- Scrooge double feature. Um, also joining us, Devilish Dan. What's going on, my man? Yeah, we're going to mention a couple things this week. Scrooge, maybe another Twin Peaks reference. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Seinfeld. We like talking about Seinfeld a lot. We're going to get there. Mm. We'll get there. Don't jump the gun. Speaking of guns. don't Speaking jump of guns, let's talk about season two, episode 11th. Uh, 11th season two episode 11 aired on june 12th of 1990 judy you're not yourself today preston i'm coming over to see you at the house of horror gentlemen let's flip the pages back shall we august of 1951 tales from the crypt Number 25, decently close to our uh, last episode. That was number 28. So we're on 25 this time around again on Hoopla, as we've covered in the past. Um, the good old switch up storyline, right? Yeah, this story uh, certainly gets right to the point uh, in the comic uh, and where it needs to go very efficiently. I mean, we're not wasting any time. Um, magical spells 
guns. You know, this one has it all. We've joked before about the number of like spousal related installments throughout the series, right? And while this is certainly another one of those, I am honestly glad that on the page and in the episode, really, that this steered clear of like drama between the two, really just focused on kind of the plot and you know, the whole switch, which we'll obviously get into more detail on soon. Um, you know, generally speaking to me personally, this is not like a go out of your way. You must read it. Right. But it is certainly one like I, I would check out. Like, I'm not going to tell you to not go read it. You know what I'm saying? It, it kind of falls somewhere in the middle for me. If you followed along with our show, if you've been enjoying, you know, the, the shows themselves, you know, hey, you might you might dig it, but this is not one that I would go insanely out of my way to go seek out um, because I, I like what the show did. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of how I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, like I said on this one. I don't know how you guys feel about this one on the page. If you're reading along in Hoopla, you may as well read this one because I believe it's in the same collection. So you already downloaded it. Is. it. You are right. use your credit for yes. the month. So yeah, go ahead and read it. Um, That's true. Yeah, no, this one's pretty good. Uh, they made some really interesting, strange additions to the uh, the TV version of it, uh, but they also made some good visual flourishes uh, that the comic didn't have that mm-hmm. we'll get into once we start talking about the episode. And I'm going to be honest, guys, I really don't have anything to add to it. Um, Preston, I'm kind of there with you where I'm like, you can just skip it and watch the episode. But like Dan yeah. said, if you already have access to it, go for it. It's fun to follow along. <laughs> Yeah, I want to say that collection covers like somewhere between 25 to like 29 or some something along those lines. So yeah, it's it's in the same one as the previous episode. Speaking of you, Dan, let's talk a little bit about that creative team involved. Let's hit the top billing. I love talking about me. I also love talking about the creative <laughs> team involved. So we're going to start with the director this week. Why not? We uh, we throw things around a little bit. Randa Haynes, uh, they are responsible uh, for not a whole lot, uh, not notable at least, except for this Tales for the Crypt episode and an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents and also the movie Children of a Lesser God. As far as writers go, Scott Nimpro, which is a strange name. He's mostly a producer, but has been has been a writer on several shows, including Brian Fuller shows like Hannibal and Pushing Daisies. If you haven't seen Pushing Daisies, goddamn, that's a hell of a series. Two seasons, so you can blow through it pretty quickly. Uh, does it end on a cliffhanger? Just be prepared for that. As far as stars, we got about three major ones this week and one other one I'm going to mention. Uh, Right up top, we're going to talk about Francis Bay as the witch. Uh, Besides being well-known for Happy Gilmore's grandma or Mabel Choate, the old lady that Jerry stole the marble rye from in Seinfeld, she's also a frequent collaborator with David Lynch in such roles as Aunt Barbara in Blue Velvet and Mrs. Tremont slash Mrs. Chalfant, two names whose grandson is learning magic in Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Uh, She was also Mrs. Pickman in In the Mouth of Madness and a ton of TV small parts from as uh, as early as 1976 all the way through her final credited role in 2011. Now, I know you guys like Happy Gilmore. Preston, you want to talk about Happy Gilmore at all? Dude, grandma. Grandma. <laughs> Grandma. I love Happy Gilmore. That was a freaking staple of my childhood. Absolutely. And it was so cool. 
uh, to see her in this episode because much like the previous, I I don't think I had seen this. So what a what an awesome surprise it was! And man, she uh, she has fun in this. Like that's for sure. Like she showed up and and went to work and. Really, I, I would say that for all the major cast in this, because we'll hit on it when we get in the, into the episode itself, but th- they are definitely chewing up some scenery in this mm-hmm. one. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. I mean, Preston, since you've gone ahead and hit it, I definitely have some issues with this episode, but the cast is not one of them. Like, they're all oh, they, it. They're yeah. all, I think it's just every every problem I've got is more of source material flaw, <laughs> I think, than anything, mm. to be perfectly honest. Yeah, she's always great when she pops up. You know who else is always great when they pop up? Carol Kane as Judy. Uh, she yeah. garnered the attention as Laika's love interest. Sorry, Latka's love interest, uh, Simka, in the 1970s sitcom Taxi. Uh, she's also the ghost of Christmas present in Scrooge with Richard Donner, the director, and Bobcat Goldthwaite from last episode. She's also Magic Max's wife, Valerie, in The Princess Bride, Granny in Adam's Family Values, and Lillian Kaschstupler in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Man, she, she's awesome. Br- Good. Yeah, she's great. She's uh, she's one of those like low-key comedic geniuses that just steals scenes when she's in them. I was like totally taken aback uh, on this episode because, you know, not to spoil anything, but there's a moment where she's not necessarily using like her natural, like pleasant voice. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't realize that she had another voice, like that she could sound mean. What, who is this? Yeah. Yeah. She's actually got some, some range to her. She's not just like the bubbly (laughs) weirdo. Right. Speaking of bubbly weirdos, Brian Kerwin is Donald. He's had a few <laughs> long running TV parts. Uh, the longest being on the daytime soap, one life to live playing Charlie banks in 308 episodes. He was also uh, in a series called the beggars and choosers, which I've personally never heard of, but he played Rob Malone in 42 episodes of that. Uh, finally, he played deputy birdie Hawkins on 38 episodes of the misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, which sounds like a fun show to me. Last person I want to mention, not a major part in the episode, but Todd Field in a tiny little part as Eugene. Todd Field, this fella, is now a noted director who helmed the multi-Oscar nominated TAR, which was nominated for editing, cinematography, original screenplay, best actress, best director, and of course, best picture. I hated it and Hunter loved it. That Uh, is correct. It was one of my top five last year. And you were like, I hate this fucking movie. Hunter, why don't you like this movie? And I gave you the reasons. And you were like, that's dumb. I hope I never have to do a podcast focused on Tales from the Crypt with you, dumbass. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. I I I lost that. that. It's not good. You don't have to see it. Uh, I think it's great. (laughs) I think it's real good. And most people agree. uh, It's. Uh, Maybe you could do a double feature with Oppenheimer too. Fantastic. Oh, you watch Well, now you're just setting him up for success. I mean, he'll be inside all day long, but if he ever needs a rainy day, sad uh, Uh, character study, (laughs) both of these will do. I guess. Um, (laughs) By the way, Todd started off as an actor in projects such as Twister, Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, the haunting and even two episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force's old drippy, the sentient mold creature who came to life after Master Shake made a mess in the house, and now he's an Oscar-nominated director. 
I love that. Um, you know how you guys get your own. Preston, you get your moment to put your own personal spin over at the House of Horror when you're talking about that comic inspiration. I get to do my own little goofy failed stand-up bits during television (laughs) terror. And Dan is always fun because he's there to be very informational. He he picks the stuff that he loves most um, every (laughs) single time. And I respect that because you can tell. Dan gets really excited by certain things. If you want to talk to me about Twin Peaks or Seinfeld or Aqua Teen Hunger Hunger Force, (laughs) I will talk to you about those things. That's right. Well, listen, Dan, ever since you said the the, the film Twister, I mean, I'm I'm lost for the rest of the episode. That's where my mind's going to be. Sorry about it. That's right. That's no moon. That's a space station. (laughs) (laughs) Quote from both Twister and Star Wars. (laughs) Oh, yeah. True. Television terror, the episode itself. Guys, we got the Crypt Keeper in a beauty mask here. He's enjoying it. He's moisturizing. It's not doing much good, but he sure is looking pretty. And I respect him for trying to take care of his skin. Do you think that sunscreen would cause his current affliction or like help him uh, have prevented his current affliction? Or do you think he was destined to always look like that? He's a rotten corpse, so sunscreen <laughs> wouldn't do anything. Well, you That's know, right. according to TikTok, the the cure to aging is sunscreen. That's all you got to do. So even if you're a rotting corpse, I feel like the sunscreen might have been able to help. Now I can't stop thinking about Tan Mom. You know who Tan Mom is? Uh, <laughs> tan the, the Mom? La- the, the lady that got in trouble for like putting her child in the, oh, in yeah, the yeah, tanning yeah. bed years ago. Yeah. Oh, my that God. That lady's... Everyone, everyone, if you're not driving, go and Google Tan Mom and look at some pictures from her. Oh, boy. Now, now I can't get the crypt <gasps> out of my head. They look Holy very Holy shit. Yeah, she's rough. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's got this great little line in here. This is my cosmetologist that I was starting God. to look a little lifeless. <laughs> Because he is lifeless. <laughs> uh, he also has a great cover for the book this week. Like uh, they, they've all been pretty good, but this one's pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah, this is a stellar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is one of my favorite parts that we rarely ever talk about, unless it really stands out. Is all of the comic or tome in- illustrations are always so well done and so stylish, even for episodes you don't love. Um, like for instance, "Lover Come Hack to Me," uh, <laughs> just excellence excellent uh comic art within his book there horrors from the vault listeners are you familiar with machine gun america (laughs) being an orlando native i sure am it's been described as the disneyland for nra members it's orlando's only automatic adrenaline attraction i've never been but after watching how much fun donald has carrying his favorite fox hunting (laughs) weapon around and wearing an ascot i sure am tempted to go See, Donald and Judy, they're an odd couple who clearly love each other despite Don's constant stressing out Judy. And, you know, that's just its caused by normal marital things. Maybe the dishes weren't done. Maybe he's got his feet up on the couch. Uh, Maybe he's smoking inside. Maybe he's pointing a gun at his wife's head. (laughs) These are just little things that stress out Judy. After terrorizing um, some local anti-gun legislation that was a door-to-door guy that was showing up, which has one of my favorite lines in the episode, Dan, which is, where were you in Vietnam? And the guy replies, I was six years old. (laughs) I also like how he described it being uh, the the club he's in being full of nuts and fruits. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
God. So Don, he goes out to his gun club and Judy is visited by a door-to-door cosmetologist who offers a dream product to clear those stress-induced wrinkles. Unrightfully so, I might say. You know, if he wants to smoke inside, point a gun at his wife's head. That's what America's all about, baby. Inviting her inside, Judy is taken by the uh, door-to-door salesman necklace. And after fawning over it for a few minutes, she tries it on. The saleswoman reveals herself as a witch with a fondness for a great ass. Reminder, this was a couple years before Heat. um, And swaps bodies (laughs) with Judy. This is where we should pause. We should talk a little bit about the setup here because, mm-hmm. yes, this is the Freaky Friday body swap yep. concepts. Uh, I mean, it, look, it was pulled from the comic. There's, you know, it, it's it's not quite a one-to-one, but uh, there it is all laid out there. But what really anchors it, we talked about it a little bit, but all three of our lead performances are very good in this episode, I would say. They're all very entertaining. And even though I heard the Don's um, actor kind of described as a poor man, Jim Carrey, um, <laughs> he's still consistently, he's the worst part, but he's still consistently amusing enough uh, where he can keep up with the other two. The women are on the other hand, are a complete hoot and uh, really have very little misstep throughout this episode. The one thing I wanted to point out before we get too far into the episode is the additions that were not in the book. And there are strange additions. You mentioned one already, the addition of him being a gun club slash gun toting nut guy, NRA member. It's a strange choice. Uh, I'm not fully sure where they were going with it, whether they're putting some sort of like anti-gun message in this episode or what. Um, but the other thing is him and Judy, he, sorry, he and Judy seem to be, uh, into like strange role play, but not like a sexual role play. Like they, they pretend they're, you know, Richie riches having breakfast together and, <laughs> It comes back near the end when he talks about um, the jag that they don't have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a strange addition. Like, like they wrote these things in there for not not a, a very apparent reason. We should talk about that opening because that opening is so weird. You got yeah. the tango oh, music playing and you're zooming yeah. in on like they're a little bit of an Anglophile situation going on, looking at the fox hunt portraits and then just looking at their house. I kind of wrote some of the things down here. There's all the English fair we just talked about, but then there's like a cowhide behind their bed um i like that he's got the body targets all over the bedroom like that's oh, weird and then even in this scene where you're talking about breakfast there's like these huge ornate curtains like all over the living room slash dining room it's just a very weird aesthetic and then he's even driving like an old car um i'm not a car guy i couldn't pick it out but yeah. like he's driving some sort of retro vehicle in this so yeah it's very strange and i don't quite get what's going on and that is a big running theme of this episode is, <laughs> i don't quite know what's going on it does it have a message i don't know is it kind of silly and fun sure but like what what is being conveyed here um we watched it all several times and i don't know if you guys agree with me but this one's kind of indecipherable, like in a really weird, strange mm-hmm. way. Like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, there's one two-minute scene that supplies so much context that I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it, 
I I kept getting distracted each time I watched this one three times, and each time, well, the second and third time, I was just trying to pay attention to what the hell they were trying to tell me. Yeah, it's just it. It's just weird. It's like, hey, you're, there's all these cues that there's a message here or there's a theme, but there doesn't appear to be really be an overarching theme. This it's weird. I, I'm in God. I apologize because. Honest to goodness, I might be combining two episodes into one with this, so you guys might help me if this makes any sort of sense. But do you guys remember an episode we covered a while back that also randomly brought in like this m- magical piece of jewelry? Like it was the oh, yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. voodoo, the, the, the thing from the grave. Yes, yes. The Maya yes. Or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so like that, and, and it. It has to do with the jewelry, obviously, because that's like a common theme. But like those almost remind me of each other because I think that was also the episode where I'm like, did I miss something? Like, is there? Yeah, I yeah. watched. I remember watching it and thinking, what the hell? Like, is it was this edited or something? And I remember yeah. going back and like, no, that's not the case. And no. that is straight up how I felt with with this episode. Um, and I will say, I think generally this episode is much more entertaining than the thing from the grave. Sure, like it's it's sure. a fine enough watch. I just have no fucking clue what's going on in the well, actual episode. And there's even, and, I, uh, sorry, Preston, I just want to get this no, out real no, quick. No, please, just, please. Everybody has such a, a funny, distinct voice in this too. I can't make yes. out certain lines of dialogue and it doesn't help how it's mixed. Like some of the lines are like really quiet and I had my TV like, cranked trying to decipher some of the especially when she's like dying later on at the end of the episode yeah. i'm like i have no clue what is being said here and it's a long drawn out scene in the husband obviously he's being goofy with his james bond accent so it's just like oh god there's a whole bunch of little pieces here where i'm like i don't know it's a fever dream of an episode it truly is not to like continue to go on about what we've already said about, you know, our main three leads, like doing an objectively like really good job in our opinion. Like the, everybody is just hamming it up and having like a great time with it. So yes, I think what could have been, and and we'll obviously talk toward the end here, a a very kind of mediocre episode. I think that because of their performances, they do liven it up, which I certainly appreciate. I think it's partly the editing too that people are in the house and then they're at the train station, but then they're back at the house. And then, yeah, it's like you can make sense of where they're going at any given time, but it's so quick back and forth that it's, it's a bit disorienting. Yeah. In yeah. time too, because there's a cut at the end uh, that like, it appears to be later that night, but I think it's like, I don't know, like two or three months later in oh, time yeah. like yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah i didn't pick that up until like my third time watching it. i was like oh that's why it, the time seems weird because it's not the same night yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. despite all of this i gotta say like i think i'd rather watch the no i know for a fact i'd rather watch this over the thing from the grave or the sacrifice so it's not like in the yeah. absolute lowest rung of season two it's just generally perplexing and it's one that 
I don't know if I'm going to go back and rewatch um, unless my DVD just continues after the previous episode. Like if it came on, I might just sit there and watch it. But I don't think this is ever going to be an episode that I seek out for those reasons. And we can talk a little bit more about that later on, um, because I think it also it kind of has a Tales from the Crypts, uh, like it kind of fails from the Tales from the Crypt angle as well. Like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit later. but yeah, what a what a strange, strange episode. <laughs> Anyways, when Donald returns from Machine Gun America, he finds an old woman in his house and pins her to the floor and questions her, confirming that Judy has swapped into her body. Joe gets a call from a buddy who remarks that he just saw Judy at the bar throwing back three gins and tonics, which is my kind of woman. Don goes out looking for his wife, or rather the witch in the body of his wife, and finds her at the train station about to leave town. Don, noticing a newspaper article about cancerous twins not being a tumor, remarks that Judy can't leave. She has cancer in an attempt to get her to stay. She reactivates the necklace and appears to swap bodies back and returns home. And he unloads in the old hag trapped in the closet. This is the highlight of the episode for me is him clearly not knowing how to shoot this pistol and just <laughs> losing it. He's so funny in this. He came from the shooting range and this is how he shoots pistols. Yes, <laughs> just right. all over the place. <laughs> it's true. He has multiple guns in the house and you can clearly tell he shot none of them. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, the train station is where my quote of the week came up. Uh, it's she told me to go to hell like she knew the way. That's a that's a stone cold Ooh. line if I ever heard one. That's a there badass we go. line. Yeah, yeah it is. like that's an. I can hear that in an ACDC song. <laughs> <laughs> she told me to go to hell <laughs> like she knew the way. Yeah. Nailed it. Fire! Fire! Have you guys heard that uh, AI writes an ACDC song? <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, my God. We're going to play it at the end of the show for you five folks at home. It's <laughs> incredible. Uh, we're, we're actually going to watch it all together. We're going to do one of those YouTube syncs so I can enjoy it. Um, so uh, after he kills the witch bitch, he buries her in the floor of the basement as a rousing tango orchestra plays on. That's something we haven't talked enough about is the weird tango slash carnival music yes. instrumentation all over this episode. It is through line. It's a tone. through line. Yeah, it just kept keeps going underneath the whole thing. And you're like zany as hell. Yeah, it's that gif of Ryan Reynolds and the the surgeon gear going, but why? Like, that's kind of <laughs> how I feel whenever it kicks yeah. in. Yeah, these, these are weird people orchestrated yeah. by weird score. And like, maybe that's what they're going for is that they're such an odd couple and everything's disjointed and it's supposed to give you that feel. Or maybe I'm giving them more credit <laughs> than they deserve. Like, well, it, it goes to show like like all they do, like their hobby is is lying apparently yeah. because that's that's what they started with and like he he comes up with a great lie about cancer like that's a brilliant little swerve oh, to, yeah. to try to throw the, the witch especially for somebody who's been shown to be just a straight dumbass up to that point you don't expect oh that God, yeah. from that character and yeah, you're like buffoon. oh what a weird yeah buffoon's a great word for it <laughs> He uh, and that was actually the the whole sickness thing was in the comic, so that was cool that that kind of also also carried over because yeah, that was kind of a quick quick witted thing to do. 
Something that I did think was smart was this next part that I wrote down because um, after the witch is dead, we skip forward three months or um, actually right. This is right before the time skip. We uh, see our two main characters, the husband and the wife, and they're looking in the safe at the necklace, which they've retrieved. And uh, Judy is obviously entranced with it. She wants to put it on the nightstand. She thinks it's beautiful. She just wants to look at it. Don's like, no, this absolutely has to be locked up. It's bad news. We can't do this. And I appreciate that they take just a moment to explain why they can't just get rid of the necklace, at least in the house. It's got to stay there because they can't smash it. They can't melt it. It's like a permanent fixture. Um, and I just thought that was like a little thing that wasn't needed. But if someone was to ask the question, the answer is in the episode. It doesn't have to be implied. It didn't feel heavy handed either. Like it felt like natural dialogue that they'd be having. Yeah. 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 Is that where he said, babe, you've got a witch buried in your basement. Get a grip on reality. I think so. It's <laughs> pretty good. Too. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. There's like some smart writing in it, despite my issues with it, or at least some fun lines, you know, and some silly writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Judy, however, she's discontent and she refuses to let that beautiful necklace go because she breaks into the safe while Donald is asleep and retrieves the necklace. Donald goes downstairs in his tiger pajamas to get a glass uh, of milk, as one does. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that, because I had it written down with a star. I'm like, we can't leave the tiger pajamas you on. you got to bring up the tiger pajamas. And uh, we already talked about the cowhide on the back. Yeah. We've talked about um, the uh, targets on the wall, all sorts of weirdness. But I like that he's in his tiger PJs to go get a glass of milk, <laughs> like the epitome of masculinity. <laughs> um, and then he rounds that corner, and as the goofy tango carnival music plays, plays he's cornered by the dead and rotting old witch who is somehow still alive the trio have their final encounter and somewhere along the way there's all sorts of shenanigans who's who which which is which um dan you brought up that line earlier judy we don't have a jag yet that's yeah. another really fun line. Like Good delivery, said. too. I really like the delivery of it. Yeah. But I think the best line of the entire thing is actually one of Judy's lines here where she says, Donald, be careful. I bruise easily when they're having their tussle. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was great. That yeah. was awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. That made me laugh. And I know it feels like we're like in fast forward, but it kind of just plays like this. And in the struggle, Donald shoots and kills young Judy as the bodies swap back and forth one final time. This is where I said it kind of fails as like the Tales from the Crypt message. I'm not saying I necessarily need a happy ending, but this tragic ending just feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere and there's no yeah. satisfactory payoff. It just just kind of dropped on us, and we he does his weird little James Bond line, and the, the camera zooms out, and that's the end of it. And then to add to the confusing messaging, um, if this is an anti-gun message, great, like that's fine. But then we shoot to the crypt keeper, who's just hooting and hollering, firing his revolver yes! into the air. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so strange, and yes. then he hits a bat, which I think is amusing. The bat hits the desk. Um, but yeah, like I, I like I said, I know it sounds like it's in fast forward or like we're skipping over stuff, but it kind of just 
plays out that way. It's very quick. And it, I think ultimately the conclusion really is where it just completely kind of falls apart. It, it never catches up with itself. Well, I think part of the problem is, again, we, we've said this before, that Tales from the Crypt is very Aesop's fables. It's, you know, the, the, the wicked end up, you know, getting punished for getting their come comeuppance. Their, the chickens have come home the roost, except for these two poor bastards never did anything really wrong. Like they were fine she didn't really take advantage of the old woman or anything like that. Normally one of these stories would show her like, you know, swindling the old woman or stealing the necklace, but like the old woman agreed and gave her the necklace and she she was the villain the whole episode. And these two people just kind of got mixed up on it yet. They still got punished at the end, which is strange for tales from the crypt. Well, and also not to reiterate exactly what, I mean, kind of you both were getting at and and exactly what you said, Hunter, the ending just felt so weird to me. Like it felt tonally off, you know, from like the, the rest of what, like we've said is this zany, ridiculous, silly episode. Um, I'm like, man, to end with such like, (laughs) you know, this like sad ending kind of thing. It was just kind of questionable yeah it's not like a goofy silly like i think it needed a much sillier ending oh yeah because it's just like like you said it's not i don't know cruel seems kind of strong but just like it's a weird sad ending like i don't know what the tone is the tone is so all over the place and i know that there's a couple fans of this episode out there and look like i can kind of get it like is this an avant-garde masterpiece that the three of us are not getting? No, it's not. But if you want to think it is, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if it floats your boat, that's cool with us. That's right. That's great. All right. Let's give some closing thoughts in that final severed thumbs ranking. Uh, Devilish Dan, why don't you start us off this week? Yeah, man, I'm going to shoot right down the middle with this one. Again, there, there's some really weird, bad shit in this episode, but it's also offset by some really great performances, some fun lines, some good uh, logical writing, uh, along with the highly illogical writing and very strange editing. So I'm going to give it two and a half severed thumbs up. All right. Petrified Preston. Well, I'm glad I'm going right after Devilish Dan. This will make a lot of sense. Dan, I'm right there with you, brother. Two and a half severed thumbs up right kind of down the middle and i mean honestly um i feel very similar to the episode as i do the story itself uh in a, in a weird way i think they kind of line up very just sh- literally straight down the middle for me as i've said um you know the positives really enjoyed the cast i mean they had a lot of fun with this tonally it was literally everywhere and you know it just <laughs> of all the episodes of tales from the crypt this was certainly one of them you know what i mean is is kind of kind of gives me that feel but you know what despite that i still think it's memorable in a really weird way like it's one that if somebody said they wanted to watch it i'd probably be like you know, it's not my favorite, but sure, let's yeah, let's watch it. Um, sure. It's entertaining enough where I can have a solid enough time. I was thinking about a three. I think I'm going to join you guys at 2.5 just because I, there's episodes that I definitely like a, a little bit less than this that I've also given the same rating. I just I'm also looking at stuff I've given a three and I'm like, well, I don't you know, I don't think yeah. it's quite on that level. So maybe this is more of like a 2.7 a 2.8 or whatever but we don't we don't mess around with that sort of thing <laughs> um 
We've definitely covered some weird episodes, even just this season. But yeah, I'd rather watch this over uh, Only Sin Deep, especially. Like, I think I'll take this over. You know what? Now that I'm saying that out loud, Bad Leah Thompson is pretty amazing, yeah. too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to dig myself into a pit here. Um, but yeah, I, I think a 2.5 is probably the right rating here. Let's just go right down the middle because there's definitely things I like in it, but there's also just the episode doesn't really come together in any sort of significant way for me to put it any higher. So yeah, I'll join you guys. All right, boys. Well, let's go ahead and give us, uh, let's go ahead and get closed out of here. Uh, Petrified Preston, thanks for being here, my man. Where can folks keep up with you? Wouldn't want to be anywhere else, fellas. Um, yes, you can keep up with me at a few different places. Uh, let's go to Letterboxd first. That's my favorite. At Preston967, I am logging movies over on Letterboxd. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, under the same, at Preston967. Preston Green on Facebook. Keep up with me over here. Um, good things are happening. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Devilish Dan. Just like Preston, I'm dropping logs over on Letterboxd. Daniel P. Sims <laughs> with two M's. Uh, you can follow me over there. Also at all the socials at Red Right Dan. But more importantly, if you want to talk to the show, maybe tell us what we missed on this episode. Maybe you thought it was great and we're fools for thinking it's just mid. Uh, you can reach out to us on all the socials except for Facebook and uh, what's the one with this dude? TikTok, no TikToks, uh, at Horror Vault Pod. Or if you want to send us an old man email, it's horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. Awesome. And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is on Instagram and Letterboxd. You can find me at Discount Vincent Price on both of those. Hey, just a reminder, if it's been a minute and you have Apple Podcasts, I know there's lots of platforms out there. A lot of people like to use Spotify. Apple's what I use, so it's what I'm counting. Uh, we're trying to get to 50 reviews. Once we hit 50, we're going to do a special little thing, including a new metal jam cover of the Crypt Jam. I know you want to hear it. I want to do oh, it. I want sure. I want to write it. I want to perform it. I don't know what we're going to do, but it's going to be a blast. So try to get us to 50 reviews on Apple Podcasts so we can crank that baby out. There'll be some other swag too, but uh, that's the that's the important one. You want to hear me do my best for a Durst, right? Let's see. Oh, well, I do. I, I just thought Dan was getting naked, and that was enough for me. This this pushes it over the top. <laughs> That's when we'll, uh, we'll you wanna, start the TikTok. You want to see that? You got to go to Only Dan's. We've talked about it before. <laughs> OnlyDan's.com. It's big, meaty boys, usually pretty hairy, eating pudding and other loose <laughs> oh, foods. God. Um, loose foods? Loose foods. We just posted. Way. We just posted a, uh, a special <laughs> holiday treats of us drinking eggnog. So check us out over there. Onlydans.com oh, slash Red Right Dan. Thank you. I'm just imagining the big boys in the bottom of the pawn shop from Pulp Fiction. Hey. <laughs> That's what Only Dan's looks like. Um. <laughs> I mean, certain certain corners of Only Dan's. Sure. Yeah. All right, so for Horrors from the Vault, for Petrified, Preston, Devilish Dan, and Horrifying Hunter, hey, that's me. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Crypt Keeper, play that funky music, dead boy.
Right. 